Hi everyone, Daniel Ramsey here, the CEO of My Outdesk and the host of Scale the Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to having conversations that unlock the exact formula and strategies multi-million and billion dollar companies use to scale their business. You can visit me on our website at scalethepodcast.com or listen to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Hey everybody, Daniel Ramsey here with my outdesk. I'm really excited because we have Hallie Warner here and she is actually in a different role than we normally kind of interview. She is the chief of staff for a mega <laughs> agent and a client of my outdesk. And so I love chief of staff. So we're gonna break that down. We're also gonna talk about her new book, The Founder and Force Multiplier. I really, ex I, I love that title by the way, Hallie. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's a cool one. I've never gotten an introduction like that before, so thank I you. Know. There we go, rock and roll. Um, so let's let's start with just who you are, what you do, and kind of how you got started in, in this uh, fun world of real estate. Sure. Um, it's always hard to explain exactly what I do now, so let's backtrack a little bit to nine right. years ago. Actually, it po po popped up on my um, Facebook feed, or my somebody shared it with me, um, mm -hmm. that nine years ago yesterday, I actually accepted the job working with Adam. Wow. Um, and as a listing coordinator right. for the Hergen Rother team at Keller Williams Realty. And I was, I didn't even know who I worked for when I first got hired. I was like, do I work for Adam? Do I work for Keller Williams? I have no idea. Right. Um, so that was a listing coordinator position. I did that, you know, typical listing management. I worked with clients for a couple of months. Um, and then I uh, moved into a role as his executive assistant mostly on the team. So that was usually, that was about the first three months I started working with him. Um, again, he was really, he was only the OP of a brokerage and of our Keller Williams office and uh, team leader at that point, not team leader, leader of our team um, at that time. So he had the two businesses and I was his EA. Again, I helped with clients. I oversaw our listing assistant, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and then about a year into that, I started we started doing other things. We started, um, started expansion. So we started, um, we're in Vermont and we had a team, our first team launched in Maine and then one in Connecticut. Um, so I was both this, he's EA on the team and kind of a director of operations. And then we started another company and then another company, another company, all that stuff. And so I eventually probably about five years ago, I really stopped working and probably more like six years ago, stopped really working on the real estate side of things and just really worked on Adam and the businesses. Yep. Um, but along the way, replaced myself as director of ops. Somebody handled that. We hired an EA for the team. Um, actually, my very first hire I ever made with Adam was um, a virtual assistant through my Outdesk. And that was eight years ago. Eight years Man. ago, I think. Um, very first hire. And she was my, she was my listing assistant. Right. So we actually replaced somebody in office who wasn't really the right fit with this um with this position and she and I worked together for about a year before I again kind of totally went off the team and somebody else took that over but she was with us I think for six years. Here's you know it's 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 interesting to hear your story and I want to break it down for everybody so you know and make it very simple. So Adam owned a team was a broker in an office hired you and then started just opening businesses and somehow identified you as the right partner in that because that's where you are today. You're, you're running his entire kind of human part of his, of his team. But what was that like for you to realize, 
number one, you've attached yourself to a serial entrepreneur, somebody who has a lot of energy, willing to take risks. And also, how did you know that that was the right spot for you? Yeah, great question. So one thing that a lot of people think I do, which I don't do, is I actually don't really run any of his businesses. We have great people in each of his businesses who are running the day-to-day operations for right. those companies. I work, on, I'm, an, I'm an extension of Adam at all times. So if he's doing a podcast, I'm on the podcast with him. Um, he's writing a book, I'm with him writing the book. If he is working on some you know, a leadership presentation or talking points or we're um, goal planning for 10 years out, I'm doing whatever he's doing. I'm not actually necessarily in the day-to-day, but I am a connection point for people within all the other companies. So if we've got a new initiative, I might be communicating that along with Adam to make sure that it actually gets implemented. So what I believe my role, my core responsibility as chief of staff is making sure Adam's vision is communicated and executed. And that that's what it is. I mean, it, I, it's, it's a lot more complex than that, but that's an easy way to kind of understand what it is I do. So about five years ago, um, I knew I needed to kind of keep growing in my career. So I did a lot of research on what it is I like to do. I did a lot of research on, a C- on COO roles because that's a lot of um, naturally where a lot of people in this kind of ops world go when they're working on a real estate team. Right. You want to be a director of ops or a COO. So I did a ton of research on that position. And then through that research, I started um, paying attention, I think, to just this chief of staff role. And I realized that not only is that where I ultimately wanted to be in my career, it was actually a lot of what I was already doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that being a COO was actually not in my wheelhouse at all, looking at the numbers and, and the metrics and holding team members accountable. And I can do it from like a leadership perspective, but not necessarily from that day-to-day ops. It's not me. Um, so that's how I kind of just kept growing in this, on this path in my career. So does Adam have a COO who kind of keeps the operationally, you know, the, the numbers right, the financials right, everybody in the right seat? Or And like break that down because I think, yeah. again, this is a very unique role um, for the real estate world and really for the entrepreneurial kind of space. It is, and it's becoming more um common, I would say, a lot of uh, more so in tech and really in more highly complex organizations. But in with uh, startups as well a lot of startups again particularly in tech are um, looking for this chief of staff role right now right um all that being said yes every one of our companies has some sort whatever the, their title is it's a little bit different for each organization but yes somebody who is handling the finance and the operations from a day-to-day perspective we are mm-hmm. actually looking for somebody right now who would be working closely with me and adam as the coo cfo for all of adam and Arthur companies so again, being a little bit more of that link, I fill in a lot of those gaps right now as needed, but um, that again is not necessarily my wheelhouse. Hey everybody, Daniel Ramsey here, and I wanna tell you about an extraordinary offer to take action and start scaling your business right now. You know I get a lot of questions about how to grow your business, generate more revenue, and reduce expenses, and the answer is simple. It's my Outdesk virtual assistants. My Outdesk offers five-star virtual assistant services to thousands of business professionals across the United States and making our clients over $100 million in net revenue every year. Our customers absolutely love our virtual assistants. And I want to give you the opportunity to learn exactly why. Simply text the word M-O-D, MOD, to 31996 and we're going to give you a free double my business strategy call 
where we work one-on-one with one of our business growth specialists to design an action strategy for growth and cost savings in your business. We're gonna give you over 20 growth and strategy guides, a market force personality indicator, an important business checklist, and hiring guides. My Outdesk admins can help manage your office, your sales, your marketing pipeline, and even help you lead generate and follow up. And during this call, you'll learn exactly how you can put them into your business right now. So again, text MOD to 31996 and get a free double my business strategy call right now and learn how My Outdesk can transform your business today. Right. You're not, you're not like a data nerd or like no. a, yeah, <laughs> you're no. like, you know, but no. so describe, um, like describe your day to day. I hear that you help execute on Adam's vision and you make sure that the stuff happens and things get implemented correctly, but give us some good examples of a major initiative or something that you kind of push over the hump for Adam. And what's that been like? you know, working back and forth with leadership, Adam, and trying to be the glue for the organization. Sure. So one thing that I'm working on um, right now is we are rolling out 401k plans and health insurance benefits to right. um, all 50 staff members. And, you know, we have 300 other agents in our organization. So while we're not actually rolling it out to them, I mean, we do, it, we actually might at some point, um, at least offer the plans available to them. So it's, having all the conversations with all of the carriers and our health insurance um, consultant and our TPA and our CPA and um, gathering all that information, analyzing it, figuring it out, what are the best plans, going to Adam and saying, here are the two options, here are the two financial advisors I've already had pre, you know, phone calls with, I want you to meet them, which one do you like better? Um, you know, just keeping all of that stuff moving forward and then we're getting ready to do the enrollment here in November, so. So in his world, is he simply the making this, like, how do you and him work together in terms of like making decisions? Like you bring all the information and then he makes the decision is, or how does that work? Yeah, it depends on what it is. Um, if it's something more creative, like the podcast, it's a lot of obviously a lot more conversations or if we're writing more conversations about where we want, you know, how we want to see that go. But for the most part, like we, at this point, again, in, in our relationship, we've been working together for nine years, right. we know who like what the goals are of each organization they're working on executing we um adam and i are in all company meetings every monday so every monday that's pretty much my entire day is having uh, meetings with the various leadership teams um and then as are with you all, both meeting are you both meeting with all of the leadership team yes yeah, so like black art construction has their team meeting and then heard about the realty group has their leadership team meeting and we meet with with all of them um, and usually one meeting a week is sufficient. They know what they need to accomplish. We're just kind of doing a quick check-in. Are there any decisions that Adam needs to weigh in on? And mm -hmm. then we move forward. What but really, um, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was gonna just say look, with, with any leader or executive, they really should only be in decision-making meetings anyway. If they're in the planning and the strategy meetings, it's not an efficient use of their time with a few caveats depending on what it is. Yeah, if there's like a major shift in the market or if there's a or if there's something huge happening, then they're in. But typical planning of just blocking and tackling, they don't need yes. to be involved in. No, and they shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Okay. How um how have you and Adam like 
not gone at lockerheads? Because this is a big, and I just asked that question out of respect for you. And, you know, we, we worked with you guys for a long time. So I know Adam well, and I know you guys, but how have you kept the egos at check? How have you guys kind of managed the difficulties of running a business together? Yeah, I, that's such a good question um, because, well, because I've never actually thought about, thought about it. I feel like it's because we have different strengths. And I think that's really what it is, is that he's vision and he knows what it is. He knows the big picture. And while I'm pretty close to that, right? Like I also think in big picture and I have a lot of great ideas. Um, at the end of the day, I also see every single step that needs to happen in order for us to get there. Yep. And he doesn't necessarily, and he's just like, let's go make this happen. And I'm like, okay, well then there's these 700 things that need to happen. Now I don't necessarily do them all. I just know what needs to get done. And then I bring the people in that need to make it happen. Mm. Um, so I think some of it is that we just, we have different strengths and we bring a different perspective to problems and we're asking different questions. And I think that's what um, works so well. And you guys, you guys, when there is disagreement, is it typically the integrator? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing visionary integrator, right? In this conversation. Yeah. Um, is there any, when there is conflict, is it typically when he gets into the weeds or when you get into the vision or do you guys just have these clear lines? That's such a good, another great question. Um, I think that we really do have pretty clear lines. So it might be um, more, if there's ever conflict, it's because I don't totally understand and I'm, I'm just asking questions and it might be annoying, right? I mean, it is. It's huh. annoying for me to ask these questions to try to get him to get really clear on what it is he wants because I just am trying to get him what he wants, but I need to be really clear on what that is. And so I might be asking, well, what about this? Or did we think about this? Or this is, my, this is how that impacts that. And in, if there's a conflict, it's him just being like, just make it happen. Okay. Um, and me wanting really, really extreme clarity, which is my style. Right. It's like he, he, he uh, points to the future and says, go. And you're like, wait a minute, I don't understand. And then, yeah. and then he's like, I don't have time for this. And you're like, no, you have to because I can't get us there. That's, that's typically the conflict. Yeah, it's because, and I move really, really fast um, as well. And I'm super impatient, but I also like that clarity. So yeah. I'm always like battling against myself um, before I go to battle with Adam. And um yeah, sometimes it can feel like probably like I'm slowing him down or like putting up too many road roadblocks for him. Like, do we think about this? What about this? What about this? At the end of the day, it all works out. I'm just trying to externally process what it is we need to do yeah. and, and making sure that the vision is still achieved. Well, and to be clear, what, what I'm trying to do by asking these questions is help our audience understand what a chief of staff does, what a visionary integrator relationship looks like, who you are as a person and who the leader needs to be and where those lines are because I think in crossing those lines or not communicating well or like any kind of whenever there's pressure that's when conflict can happen and you lose somebody who's important to you like like you you know Adam you know I, I actually this is a great question how much of his success do you believe you've been integral in in being a part of so funny you asked that because I was thinking about that very question this morning. Um, I think perhaps because I've been asked it before on a podcast, but Adam and I've been actually having a whole conversation about just, you know, being versus doing and, you know, self-actualization and all this stuff. Um, and the fact of the matter is Adam was going to be successful with or without me. And I was going to be successful with or without Adam. Yep. We just happened to kind of link up together and we're doing this thing together. Mm -hmm. um, so I can't say 
what one specific thing that I felt I was integral to his success, he was going to be successful regardless. Did we just go down different avenues together because of who we are? Maybe, right? He, would he have written a book with somebody else that wasn't, if, if there had been somebody else in this role? Maybe not. Um, you know, would I have worked on some of the projects I've worked on if I wasn't with that, working with Adam? Probably yeah, not. Here's the real question, and I'm trying to get ju like the juice, right? So in this relationship, A plus B does not equal C. It, it probably equals G or D or some other linear thing. Like when you link up two people that are super talented, would be successful anyways, but there's this energy between you guys and there's this great working relationship. Mm -hmm. So that's my question is, what do you think the pair, you and him together, have been able to do in percent delta between what would have happened in your individual lives? Yeah, I, I'm st I still don't necessarily know. I mean, if I was just kind of hypothesizing and, and theorizing about what it, what it could have, um, what, what it could have looked like or what we did accomplish together. Um, I don't, I, I don't necessarily know. I, I think that we maybe did things faster than we would have. Yep. Um, otherwise, I think that um, maybe two we did times faster, two times faster, one and a half times. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know, I'm crazy. I know. We, well, oh God, we really work really fast. Actually, it's interesting. And, and so here's the here's a challenge that I'm having answering this question is yep. the bulk of my career, I don't know any different really than working with somebody like Adam. Right. Um, so my perspective is I, I don't necessarily know if I have a different one that I can really share with you because this is my You've done. majority of my working career has been working with this crazy um visionary that yep. just is going 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 all the time yep. however what's really interesting is when we bring in other people onto our team um, for example we just hired a director of marketing she's been with us for 90 days and the feedback we're getting from her is i have never accomplished as much as i have in my career and she's a seasoned you know director of marketing i've never accomplished this much in a week as i have working here Yep. Um, normally, you know, a redesign that you guys are doing in 60 days took our co last company a year, right? Yeah. So that's the perspective that I don't have because this is, this is my normal. Right. Um, but sure. Did we have, we accomplished things faster together and maybe on a greater scale? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. I wanted to try to quantify it, but I get why it's hard. <laughs> I'm not a numbers person, remember? Yeah. <laughs> what, um, for our audience, who were you? as a kid, like if, if, if I'm trying, let's say I'm, I want to hire my own version of you, like who were, you know, tell us about who you were, what you are, like that made this position work for you. Yeah. Another, such ask amazing questions. Um, because I actually feel like I didn't even know this. I didn't know this job existed when I was a right. kid. Right. But it really is the job that, it allows me to fully realize who I am and bring that into the workplace. Um, I would do this if, if Adam's company is closed tomorrow and there wasn't anything, you know, there anymore, I would do this for somebody else because I'm so yeah. passionate about it. Yep. Um, but I think some of it had to do with, um, I'm not the oldest child, but I am the oldest female in family and four. So that could have something to do with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing I actually read recently on a podcast, maybe this is something people can pay attention to, and it rings true for me, is somebody who grows, grew up with um, a lot of change. So my dad was in the military, so every two years we moved. So 
very adaptable and and yeah. and kind of handle whatever and you're always having to assimilate yourself into new situations right. um so that could have been a valuable thing from my childhood that i'm able i mean this is probably the most unique and changeable environment that i've ever um been a part of but you just kind of roll with it because you have to um yeah. so being flexible and adaptable and really resourceful um are all things that uh, a recovering perfectionist um, you know, th those sort of things, just always that really high achieving. I'm a type, I'm a type a, a personality. Um, you get stuff done. Yes. Even as a kid, like when, if you look back at your childhood, were you always the one that was like, I'm going to do 27 different things and be great at every single one of them? Um, I wouldn't say I was, which is another interesting, I wouldn't say I was necessarily great at any one of them, but I was good at a lot of things. And I, another, again, in this role, you like a COO or a CFO, you actually do need to master certain things. Yeah. I actually need to be pretty good at a lot of things, um, but I wouldn't say I'm a master at any one. So I think that's, that there's a, there's a bit of that. And I was always in some sort of leadership position, no matter. So I, I, I wouldn't necessarily do 27 things, but I'd have t other people do 27 things. Even right? as a kid, even as a kid, you were in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it was my siblings or <laughs> Your you parents, parents, you lost your parents around. Parents. Teens, yes. I mean, my, I mean, I, my dad always tells a story of when I was like 13 or 14 in high school and the teacher is telling me that I can't do something. It was like, you know, organizing our, our, um, curriculum, our classes for the next year, for the next semester. And my parents were in this meeting with me. Um, and they, the teacher is telling me, no, you can't take this class because you can't, you can't take this one. And I, I'm like, no, actually I can. I did this research, blah, blah, blah. And I told them exactly what was going to happen. And then, and it happened, right? It I happened mean, it. and that was it for me. That's who you are. My dad tells that story all the time. <laughs> <laughs> As a 13 year old, you were telling the teacher what's what. Um, okay, good. Uh, what are some of the, comp okay, well, let's talk about your book because I think there's a lot of this love and knowledge in the book. So let's yeah. talk founder and force multiplier. That by the way, says that you are a force multiplier, meaning you've helped Adam kind of double or triple what would have been possible. So yes. uh, let's talk about the book. What What's in there? I have a number for you, but yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're not sure the percentage, but we can figure it out, I'm sure. Um, so talk about the book. Why, why did you write it? What's important? What's in it? Why should people buy that if, if, if um, they find this interesting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Adam and I knew we wanted to write a book and that was like two years ago, I think. And so we started, we started writing several different books yeah. and then we went back and did some research because he, I had a blog, he had a blog and we said, well, let's just go see what the data says. Um, so his blog was being read in like 139 countries. And I don't know, there was like 30,000 people who had read the blog over the past year. Every time we wrote a blog about the EA and the executive partnership, it, the tr the traffic on those blog posts was like astronomical, right. um, way higher than any of the other posts. The other posts were doing great, but that one just it was getting a lot of attention. So we were like, okay, this is the conversation people want to have right now. This is obviously resonating. It's really tangible. So let's talk about what, let's write a book and share all of our experiences and knowledge about that founder and that force multiplier. Again, we're really talking about like an entrepreneur, a business, you know, small business owner, and um, an executive assistant or chief of staff. We kind of use the term executive assistant, but I'm finding more and more that those two roles can sometimes be interchangeable depending on the size of the organization. At our organization, we have two, we have an executive assistant and me. Um, so our roles are different, 
but I was the EA and the chief of staff for, you know, four years. Forever. So, yeah, for a long Break that down. Like, what is the differences in your guys's world for chief of staff sure. and EA? Yeah, I mean, we. I just wrote a blog about this last week too because it, it it's hard to it is hard to explain sometimes. Um, again, depending on the organization, but um, in general, and a lot of times people say chief of staff is tactical, or sorry, strategic executive assistant is tactical. I used to say that, but I also am beginning to feel like that's actually a disservice to both roles. I do a lot of tactical work and Amy, our executive assistant does a ton of strategic work. It's just different. Um, just like um, Adam and I really share the same role. Amy and I are actually doing one like massive high impact job. We just are doing two different pieces of it. Right. So for example, she handles all of the scheduling, travel, calendar, event planning, anywhere Adam needs to be, she's on it. Um, when we host our large training event, Project U, she is organizing that entire event. Um, she's really handling like the day-to-day -day details of the executive office. And I'm working on other, and I actually said the, the distinguishing factors is time. She's usually thinking in like today and like maybe 30 days out for the most part. And I'm usually thinking 90 days 90 to days. five years out. So right. a lot of that is the big, the biggest difference. And while yes, some of my day to day is tactical, I'm thinking about this podcast, like all, we already have all of 2020 planned out. Right. So that was my kind of project. And then I brought Amy in and she's actually going to schedule it all, but we kind of did it from a higher level. Like here's where we need to be in 2020. What, what events are we doing? Like, um, where's Adam traveling? Where is he speaking? Right. All that stuff. Right. Um, so I don't know if that explains it a little bit, but yeah, I think the time thing does. Um, yeah. The EA is in the, in the 30 day cycle and you're in the after cycle, the five year planning strategically. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, good. And what have you learned over the nine years of being in this role? Like that you would, you wish you would have known when you originally started nine years ago or that you could have like used, you know, to increase results. <laughs> I feel like there's so much. Um, the few things that come to mind is, um, which maybe are rooted in the same thing, is, is, is um, confidence. Um, I wish I had been more, maybe more confident in the beginning. Um, only because, I mean, I really, and it's, sometimes it's just time and I, it was one of my very first jobs and, you know, all that stuff, but I probably experience. didn't. You needed more experience. Yeah. Didn't necessarily speak up as I do today. Um, if I could fast track that and give that to other people like earlier on their careers, man, that would be really awesome. Um, and then I think also in that I didn't, I was always often a martyr and, you know, I can do it all and I don't need any help because that's my personality and I don't think I need anybody and I can do everything. Um, and I wish that I had probably spoken up earlier about that. I needed help. I needed a little bit of time off. Um, all of those good things. And when we make those, when we started making those hires, when I did finally start speaking up, the business, of course, started growing faster when I wasn't no longer holding it back. Right. So you, you, there was a part of yourself that you had to transition into the leadership mind space. Is oh, that, yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, and, a lot, and I think uh, maybe confidence isn't the right word, but you know, my significance and my identity was so tied into me being Adam's executive assistant, and I didn't want to let go of any of those pieces. Um, yeah. But the fact of the matter is, we needed to hire a DOO, we needed to hire a marketing person, and I couldn't do all all of that. Um, so slowly, we did start hiring, you know, five other people to do some of the things that I was doing, and they became full, you know, full positions instead of me just like piecemealing it. 
um, he's mailing it. Um, yeah, so that's right. That's exactly what our audience consistently struggles with is the founder pushes all the work down and yes. then that person can't execute. So then there's a plateau in the business and the founder yep. and the EA get at each other because they, they are not communicating well, but yeah. that, that is exactly what happens. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, um, it, it wasn't that Adam wasn't communicating with me or, or it was me not being willing to say, I can't do it all. Right. right? So, um, when I was finally able to say that things changed, <laughs> things changed and you guys grew, I assume like yes. you hired right, the right people, uh, growth started coming back again. Absolutely. I love it. I and we were still, but here's the thing. We were still, we were still growing. We were growing maybe not as quickly. And it just meant that I was working probably 80 or 90 hours a week. Right. Right. I mean, because I would, I refuse to let us not grow. It just, I shouldn't have been doing, right. I just shouldn't have been doing it all by myself. How did Adam cause that shift for you? Or did he? Um, I think it was, I don't remember the exact moment because it was like little, this has happened several times over nine years. It's not like it just happened right. once. I think right. it happened first time, you know, six years ago. And then again, two years, four years ago and three, you know, two years ago. Right. Um, it's just a, a lot of it actually goes back to that confidence thing. Me being like, okay, I am valuable no matter what role I play in this organization. I am valuable. Even if I don't work in this company, um, mm. that, that sort of um, mindset. And that's just a lot of working on, myself and you know myself leadership and how did you realize that though come on give me the goods because yeah this is um, i want our audience to understand exactly who you are so yeah. they can go find their own and then experience the growth that you guys have experienced how did it tell ask me that how did i realize what exactly how did you realize that you can't hold all of the bags that you needed to hire people that you couldn't continue at 80, 90 hours that it was causing you and Adam, you know, cause there, there has to be some of this at burnout and that you needed, you needed help and that you were valuable. Like what, what was the, there's always a pivotal moment. Um, so, well, I'll give you two, two kind of scenarios. One was maybe several years ago. And when we, when we started hiring some of those other positions, I was really more okay with that. I knew it was good for the business, right? We needed that director of marketing. We kn I know we needed that director of ops. It was not any really taking anything away from me. It was actually giving a lot of work away that I yeah. didn't really have any interest in, in doing. Yeah. Um, the harder part for me came more recently when we hired an executive assistant because yes. that, um, that was, that was who I was. Um, okay. so, um, but I knew, gosh, I'm trying to think of the exact moment. I just knew that I needed, I, I, I really, I don't know. I don't remember. I just remember knowing that we needed, I needed to not work as much. That's really what it was. I was like, I had reached a point where I just did, couldn't keep working the way I was and still be a complete human being. <laughs> Um, that's really what it was. Um, and, and I, and I probably knew it a little bit sooner. I just w wasn't willing to admit it initially. Right. Um, and Adam had no part in helping you understand that. It was something that you came to on your own. Yeah. I mean, he and I certainly had like lots of, like we've had, we had conversations about it. We had hired EAs in the past and they just hadn't worked out. Right. Um, so there was a little bit of that and I'm like, oh, I can keep doing it. It'll be fine. Um, 
And then, and then I really, a lot of what it was is that I, the burnout in my opinion, isn't actually from the, the, the number of hours working. Cause if you're loving what you're doing in, in your flow, it doesn't really matter. Um, it, it came when I was continuing to grow and I was growing in my leadership through all of my coaching and experiences with Adam. And it started to be a mismatch of what I was doing every day in that EA role. Mm-hmm. And, um, cause I was doing EA and kind of chief of staff stuff, but every time I had to like get back into the, the kind of the now I was, it felt like I wasn't aligned anymore with really who I w- was. And that's where I was like, okay, this is where we really need to make a change or I'm going to go some, go somewhere else because where I can find that alignment, which I didn't want to do. Um, but I didn't know it at the time that it was really like a misalignment of like who I was and where I was at that point in my career. And if you're listening right now, she just made that transition into a leadership role where she knew she, you knew you weren't doing your highest and best work. You, you had, you had an epiphany where like, look, we should leverage this out because I'm so much more valuable in this role if I'm doing it full time. And that is, the reason I bring it up is that shift is like so hard to get somebody in your role to understand. And it's why a lot of people split and a lot of um, lost founders and forced multipliers, you know, don't stay married, I guess is is a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I know that Adam knew it before I did, but he also respected you. Needed me to, I needed to get there on my own. And, and he, right. he knew that too. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Hallie, um, where would somebody get a copy of your book and uh, kind of connect with you if, if that was something they wanted to do? Sure. Well, I'm all over social media. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Email is always the best way to get in touch with me. Um, and uh, the book you can find on Amazon or go to founderandforcemultiplier.com. We actually have a course launching on October 16th, um, nice. a four week course. You get two copies of the book if you join that class. Um, and then the book is available on Amazon. You know, what's interesting is you mentioned before a lot of coaching. So you've been in a coached position for a long time. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, from Adam, absolutely. Okay. And so one of the challenges, I think people, there's all kinds of coaching for the founder, but there's not a lot of coaching available for the force multiplier. What's some suggestions you would give to our audience if they wanted um, to get coaching for their EA or their chief of staff? Yes. Well, I know all sorts of coaching, good coaching programs. Um, so if you, I mean, the, the, my best suggestion is email me and let me know what it is you're exact, actually looking for and I can match you up um, yep. with the right kind of coaching platform. Obviously, Maps Coaching has rolled out some director of operations um, yep. specific coaching. I do coach um, executive assistants and chiefs of staff as well. I take only okay. a limited number per year and typically it's more in that EA chief of staff. Yep. Um, but we do have other coaches on our team who and on Adam Hergenrother training, who coached more real estate director of ops yeah. option. Um, I know, I think pro REA staffing has coaches, um, coaches. I mean, on, honestly, let me know. Oh, if you're chief of staff, the um, prime chief of prime chief of staff has a coaching um, division, lots of resources out there. Okay, cool. And you suggest everybody who has an EA or chief of staff, they have coaching specific to that particular role. And so they have a community and they have some resources in addition to the founder. 
Oh yeah, I think I think so for for sure. Yeah, if nothing else, did some group coaching, um, and just getting plugged into and in, into a community. And um, there are a lot of those online, particularly on LinkedIn. And then there are a lot of real estate ones on Facebook that I know about. But just being a part of that community, and there's more and more of those like retreats and masterminds around those real estate admin roles as well that are happening. So those are great. Well, there you go. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for listening, Hallie. You're amazing. Um, I would definitely, we put the link to getting Founder and Force Multiplier, the Amazon link, so you can check it out. Um, thanks for being here today and sharing your story. Oh, thank you. I mean, man, your questions really made me think and reflect, which I appreciate. Watch out. <laughs> I'll make you think. All right. Thanks, thanks again for your time. Thank you. Bye.